0: In the news, Senate completes action on emergency housing bill. Presidential veto expected. Chairman of the Senate Committee probing the CIA says Rockefeller Commission report is just the tip of the iceberg. Governor Kerry gives up on any new state taxes this year. This is Lester Smith reporting. Next news as it happens. Next scheduled news at 11 o'clock over WOR, Radio 710, The Talk of New York. And here's Gene Shepard. Sweet mystery of life from the giver. Everybody knows that life is not a mystery, right? I mean, uh, if you keep up your subscription to T V guide and uh, and uh, you know, your American Express card is curved. What the hell? Life ain't no mystery after all that. You got you got it right where you want it, right? Right in the corner there. Oh, sweet. And, every. <laughs> and you thought Justin Hoffman was funny. Poor little slap. Bring it up there. <laughs> Dustin, Dustin, Dustin. And now, ladies and gentlemen, fellow victims of our time, I'm going to take this moment off, just this moment to light a cheap five-cent cigar. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, it's confession time, let's face it. The once in a while you have to confess something. I go to this friend's uh, luncheon the other day, which he had over at the Yale Club. Now, that's very official, you know. And uh, I'm sitting there at the Yale Club and and uh, all those uh, ex Yaleys are all sitting around. You know, they still wear gray flannel suits over there. It's fascinating. You go into the Yale club and you discover that uh, 1937 is alive and well. And uh, I'm sitting there in the Yale club seeing this friend of mine who's uh, one of the members over there. He says, "Um, hmm, that was very nice, smoked salmon. Would you care for an after-dinner cigar? And he passes over to me a a typical Yale-type after-dinner cigar. And uh, it takes 8, nine, ten minutes to light one of these babies. You know, this is the kind that comes in a shoulder holster. You know, it's tremendous. It's, uh, it's such an enormous cigar. It's got twigs growing out of it. You know, it's fantastic. So hey, I start to light this cigar up, you know, and I suddenly realize it's just a terrible thing to have to realize. I have bad taste. This is confession time. I have bad taste. I like these cheap <laughs> five centers better than I like that, that one that came out of that little cedar box all wrapped in silver it had, in fact, it didn't even have a, an aluminum tube, it had a magnesium tube. I mean, now that's a full fledged cigar. I mean, that's the kind that Winston Churchill would have uh, considered a worthy adversary, you know? Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not a cigar type, uh, essentially, but I discovered I like the cheap ones. It's terrible. You know, it's awful to have to to have to admit that you have a taste for Thunderbird. You know, what's the price? Thirty twice, and then cents. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if they put the if they put the year on half the wine that you like on the uh, outside, you know, the year. Actually, what they ought to put on the wine that most of you guys drink is the date. And I don't mean year, like uh, it says uh, June fourth, three o'clock in the afternoon. You know that kind of stuff <laughs> uh, and it 's terrible as to concede that your taste is not really what it should be it 's like the other day i I forced myself, I actually sat down in front of this television set, you know every week I have a three hour period that I assign myself to watch good works on the public broadcasting network and uh, it's a, no it 's a form of no 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 no, this is a puritan it 's what 's left of our puritan ethic it's a it 's a form of uh, Self-flagellation, and it's also yes, it is atoning for your sins. Uh, you sit in front of the TV set, and you know you devour cannon. You know, Ugh, you know. Uh, I love those car crashes on Canon. They really, that's a specialty there. The hell with the plot. I I, I suspect one day there's going to be a ninety-minute show, or maybe just an hour, maybe you know, where they do nothing but crash cars and shoot each other, punctuated by an occasional poisoning, and uh, with an underplayed counterpoint of implied rape. Boy, uh, oh, what a show. <laughs> what a show. <laughs> of course, uh, uh, Bob Williams would thunder against it, but you notice he watched it. He reviews it every week, you know, and at the same time, he's very much against it. Because this is the old tradition of the, the Puritan in America. You know, you have to taste sin to know what you're talking about from the pulpit. And, uh, in fact, uh, I know one minister that got run out of town because... He he said that he hadn't tasted all of it that was going on in town. He said he didn't want to be, uh, you know, indiscriminate in his uh, in his sermons. So he started to go around town every Saturday night, cleverly disguised, incidentally, as a traveling uh, salesman for used Ford parts. Uh, He's traveling around town. (laughs) I don't want to get into that, you know, you can me. So uh, before we go any further, how about how about let's uh, saluting bad taste? You got to give me a little cheer in there, please. Thank you, thank you. Bad taste is what makes the world go round. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I suppose good taste, though, is anything you say it is. Usually it's wh- whatever you got, huh? right? You know, uh, sad, though. Uh, today I got a very, you know, I'm very excited today. I, th- I probably noticed that there's a little note of hysteria in my show tonight. You probably noticed that. Well, that was because today I received a letter that says, uh, Dear Sir, it says that uh, you have been fortunate to have been selected from a list. Of worldwide people to receive this letter which originated uh, by a was originated by a Dutch captain in the East Indies now if you break the chain bad luck will pursue you forever the following people broke the chain and look what happened to them general gumpox of uh, Samoa broke the chain and five minutes afterwards his wife got struck by lightning he was caught cheating at cards and now he is a remittance man in Bali it says, so do not break the chain. Uh, <laughs> good luck, St. Teresa uh, will pursue you forever. And uh, take the case of uh, Mr. L. of Rio de Janeiro, who did not break the chain, and within three weeks had inherited over $150,000, which, of course, was translated into the pesos in his country with a 7% discount due to the fact that they have an inheritance tax. However, it was a good deal, and he continued to continue that chain going on. So I got all excited. I get those letters every couple of weeks. I'm on some list, cockamamie list there. It's always originated by the, by the same uh, captain in, in Holland. Uh, have you ever gotten one of those? Well, you only get those if you have an American Express card. Do you have an American Express? Uh, apparently, they uh, you have a Bank America card? You have a library card. Then you're dead. They got your name, right? <laughs> they got your name. Uh, Would you please, if you will, uh, please, uh, the the next one, the next one. That's right. This is the sound, ladies and gentlemen, of the cut out of a Marlon Perkins show. It's the the sound of a charging bull elephant completely annihilated an entire camera crew, chased Marlon Marlon Perkins all the way to Suez, and they cut the whole sequence out. I thought you'd like to hear it. A fantastic sequence. Would you please reset in there, please? That's right. It's also the sound of our sales manager. Hey, he's in rut, isn't he? There he goes. Look at him. There he goes. That's right. I say, feed him oats. Let him eat hay. I mean, to paraphrase a well known historical character. That's it. That was good, though. That last note there, in the end, that note of desperation, I kind of like that. Speaking of the note of desperation, it's commercial time, and uh, it's time to hit the money button. That's the green one in there, Barney, please. The one with the dollar. There it is. Fly Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico to Mexico Aero Aeromexico, the airline that takes you to Mexico City and on to Acapulco on El Grande, our wide-body DC-10. Aero Mexico! <laughs> Aero Mexico is the only airline oh, in comforts Humphrey our movies as well as you know, in music Sierra flight right down to Mexico City <laughs> <laughs> And to make your trip even better, Aeromexico has over a thousand Aeromexico quality-approved tours to Mexico. There's bound to be one just for you. See your travel agent or call Aeromexico, the airline of Mexico, and fly with us, too. That's very exciting. You remember the last scene, don't you, The Treasure of Sierra Madre? With the wind blowing. Right. Ah, yes. Cinematic irony. Cinematic irony is not nearly as good as true irony, though, I can tell you that. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that only happens in movies. You know, the wind coming along and blowing all your gold away. That's called irony. Hmm. <laughs> it's also called bourgeois. Bourgeois. You don't know what bourgeois is? Well, that's the common man. That's a different bourgeois, right? Bourgeois. One is spelled with an S-H, and the other is spelled B-O-U. You know, come on. How oh, else? G, go ahead. Beaujolais you're talking about. Remember old Fred? Well, now, uh, one more before we uh, get back to the tenor of our show, which, as you know, is tongue-in-cheek ribaldry. Please. Watch down. Time after time. Day after day, you come out better This week at all Hills supermarkets, you'll find special savings throughout the store, like low prices on lamb. Whole legs of lamb are just $1. twenty-nine a pound. You'll save on Hill's tangy apple juice, too. It's only 69 cents a half gallon. Knickerbocker beer is a great value. Six 12-ounce bottles are less than 99 cents this week. And creamy, light, and lively yogurt is specially priced at just $1 for four half-pint cartons. Remember to check our weekly newspaper ad for valuable money saving coupons. This week and every week, you come out better at Hill. Time after That's really good. Nothing like pushing the frozen food counter. Let's see. Uh All right, is it time to make a station break here? Yeah, fine. All right, this is... Uh, is uh, uh uh Took the sign down in here. Needs to know. It's, uh, oh, yes, this is W.R. New York. That's uh John Gambling's uh, ad-lib cue card over there. This is John... Ga- I see. Mm-hmm. I got 710... He's a hell of an ad-libber. Fantastic. Great phrases roll trippingly off his tongue in an unforgettable... Allusions to lace-like poetic visions. Gee, it's really great. Especially about the weather and the traffic. It's really exciting. <laughs> now, now. But, uh, you know, when, when you're on the, uh, when you're on the uh, subject of uh, lace-like visions, hey, you know, if you have been following all this CIA stuff? Uh, well, everybody has. You know, I'll tell you, I, I, I you're gonna hear it here first, right? <laughs> Why hasn't anyone pointed out that almost all of that stuff that was allegedly, uh, you know, ascribed to the CIA, all this stuff, you know, fancy plots, assassination plots and all that stuff, at what point did this occur, right? Early 60s, right? Who was the most popular hero of the early 60s worldwide? I'm, I'm a fictional hero. That is correct, James Bond. And what was the favorite author of the president who was in power at the time? That is correct. And I would have to say there is a curious... (laughs) You know, nobody ever mentions uh, what what, uh, presidents... You know, when we're dealing with great historical characters, I don't know why people like Eric Severi don't delve occasionally into... The things that people do like presidents and the secretaries of defense and particularly presidents why they don't delve into their the, let's say their their private tastes in things which in a sense are their relaxants you know for example if now I'll let's take for example if if you discover just for argument's sake if you discovered that in my private time when I'm not on the air or I'm not performing or writing or whatever it is I'm doing if I'm relaxing if you discovered that I went to, let's say, uh cockfights, and I just went to them every night, you know, and I'd, I'd stand there and I'd watch these fantastic bloody scenes going on, wouldn't that say something about me? Yes, it would. It would say a lot more about me than my public statements. <laughs> Now, I don't know why uh, people who consider themselves great uh, uh, commentary uh, experts, you know, people who are great analyses types, who are always saying, Uh, according to the statement that was made in Tehran yesterday, you know, they really take all this stuff literally. (laughs) And uh, they actually believe it. Uh, So uh, if you you go back to the private uh, things that a guy does, you will discover a lot of things that he may ultimately do in his public life only in a different form Ah, you go uh that's correct demo and uh, and i i have a feeling that that period that early 60s period was a period of a uh, kind of uh, great brash romantic concepts of secret service men you know <laughs> dashing around the world with uh, what the double o stand for do you recall Uh, Mr. You mean you don't know the the ramifications of what I'm telling you? I don't think you do. Not really. Not unless you really understand James Bond. Now, I'm going to ask a question of you. What was Mr. Bond's number in the Secret Service, his his code number? What was the double O? What did the double O stand for? That's the crucial thing. Uh Uh-huh, see? Everybody looks dumbly. Well, then you have forgotten the primary... Uh, characteristic of Mr. Bond that set Mr. Bond apart from all the other Secret Service agents. In fact, uh, he said that there were only nine Secret Service agents, according to one of the, uh, one of the books of the sacred canon of Ian Fleming. Only nine agents had double O numbers. And what was that? Is correct. He had a license to kill. <laughs> and, and, uh, now, I'm just, just bringing this out uh, as a, perhaps a coincidence, but I'm also saying it's interesting that this happened to have been coinciding, this uh, this great uh, character. In fact, uh, all over the world, more people watched Bond movies and went to Bond movies. And uh, and why did Mr. Fleming get suddenly very popular? Okay, I'll ask you. Uh, it came out one night in the course of a casual conversation with a reporter or something that the then-president, Mr. Kennedy, his favorite writer of all was Ian Fleming. At that point, Fleming was almost unknown. Uh, you know, he was—he would write book mysteries, or rather, wrote uh, adventure stories. They weren't really mysteries, and uh, you know, everybody saw these things, and uh, that was it. They were just like a thousand other guys that were on the on the stands at that time. But the minute that that Kennedy said he dug it, you know, the Kennedy mistake was—they set a trend. Everything they did, they set a trend. There was a great, uh, you know, a great trend in. Uh, in uh... for example uh... dark suits did you know that the time mr kennedy was in that uh... that the, that the you know the suit the kind of suit that he wore was a very big deal the hair and a whole bit so anyway uh... i just curious I'm, I'm asking a question here whether or not you see any parallel now let's just this there it, it could very well be coincidental and yet at the same time apparently at that period in time uh a lot of the activities that were within the various secret service communities around the world not just ours <laughs> it was a, a lot of the secret service areas in the world of communities in the world in the uh, early 60s uh, bore a curious resemblance to the James Bond scene you notice uh, too that Bond's most of Bond's adventures were in the Caribbean that is correct so uh, you know, it's just, uh, it could all be coincidental, and yet at the same time, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out. Uh, that, that when I read about this stuff, I was immediately hit by the, uh, by the, uh, I suppose you can say, coincidental uh, parallels. And I felt too. I, it'd be interesting to know, say for example, what it is, what 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 Abraham Lincoln will say for argument's sake, what Abraham Lincoln when uh, he was away from his law office in Springfield, uh, when he was not out wrestling. Uh, or whatever it is he did to cut logs or something. <laughs> what he did when he sat down just to get his jollies to read a little, you know, just relax. <laughs> so it's a great deal about you. What would you think now if, if you discovered, say, that a famous, uh, we'll just say for argument's sake, a famous uh, lawmaker, will say, for argument's sake, uh, or a member of the Supreme Court, will say, uh, what would you, uh, would you or, would you or not believe that his uh, decisions and his attitudes would be colored if you discovered that he, on his weekends, came to New York and spent all of his entire time on the weekend in 42nd Street massage parlor? I mean, just to relax. <laughs> well, no, they are, uh, the su- suggestion here is that that would, would, uh, obviously say something about him, wouldn't it? uh so so uh I, I think that uh that when a guy picks up something to read and he's going to spend uh, two hours uh, three hours reading uh he will do so out of far more freedom of choice and often uh uh subliminal reasons than he will say out of something he has to do out of external drives for example if somebody comes to you and says you have to read this geography textbook so you do uh you have to read this economics textbook you do and then finally you say, oh, uh, you know, it's a weekend, to hell with it, and I'm going to forget studying and all that, you know, I'm relaxing. Uh, what do you do then? Well, uh, that says much more about you, really, than your daily life, in, in a sense, in the official things you have to do. And uh, so I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> it will be picked up by some commentator within the day. Some some writer will hear this, and he says, Hey, hey, Harry, for God's sake, I heard this great idea. How about an editorial on ABC? Fantastic. <laughs> well, remember, you heard it here first. <laughs> I mean, if it'll do you any good, it never will do me any good. Would you please hit the ding-dong again? You take my cues, friend. <laughs> here we go. Quit arguing, and you hit the button. <laughs> if anybody says you can't beat inflation, tell them to go to Dodge. Waiting at the Dodge Boys now. $200 more in rebates on a new Dart, Tradesman van, or light-duty carry van. When you buy or lease any new Dodge Dart from stock or a light-duty van, you'll get $200 cash back from Chrysler Corporation. The Dart gives you low purchase price, high resale value, and great gas mileage. The Tradesman Maxi van is the biggest in the business. All you do is make your best deal at the Dodge Boys on a new Dart or Dodge van. You'll get $200 cash back, but hurry. It's a limited-time offer for retail customers only. One to a customer at participating Dodge dealers. So if anybody says you can't beat inflation... Just tell them you know where they should go. Tell them to go to Dodge. Oh, yeah. And if that doesn't work, you can tell them to go somewhere else, right? Which potency vitamins do... <laughs> Physi- uh, almost as physicists. Physicians and pharmacists recommend most, huh? Well, according to the copy here... Uh, it's Theragran by Squib, and they're having a special sale now. You buy 100 Theragran tablets, and you get 30 extra. Uh, so you can really have yourself a, a vitamin uh, orgy, you know. That's a month's supply for one person, those 30. So uh, the offer is limited, so check your Squibb vitamin headquarters at your local pharmacy. erectamo. And, uh, hey, before we go any further, I, we're doing a... Uh, a uh, Little benefit that I think you should know about if you live over in Jersey. It's this Friday. Uh, it's the Friends of the Denville Public Library. And you know, Jersey, there ought to be seven or eight Friends of the Library. Uh, Friends of the Denville Public Library, uh, is having a little thing there, and I'm speaking at their 13th annual meeting, uh, symbolically Friday the 13th. It will be, <laughs> it will be at 8 p.m., and it's open to the public. Uh, and it's going to be at the Riverview School in Denville, New Jersey. I repeat, Denville, New Jersey. The Riverview School at 8 o'clock Friday. Don't ask me where Denville is. I don't know. Uh, It's Jersey somewhere. I'll find out. You know, speaking of... uh, I don't like to belabor the point, but I'm going to give... uh, Maybe it's because I judge a lot of things by my own personal uh, life. I think... I think ultimately that all artists do, and I think you should too, Uh, because we're much closer, all of us, I'm talking about human beings, than we like to think we are. There uh, there is a strain of of common uh, desires, emotions, fears that runs through all of humanity that is what makes humanity different from the squirrels. In other words, you're just as much an expert on life as anybody who writes a book about life, believe me. You can only live one at a time, buddy. And I've often felt that guys who write books about life are trying to reassure them that theirs is going okay. Uh, not that they are. But uh, besides the point, uh, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I I began to read. I'm just, just a fanatical reader, and I also went to movies like every other kid did. But I, I was a great reader and goer to movies, and, you know, do just like everybody else does. No, no more nor less. I was not hung on movies. I've often felt sorry for kids that are. Uh, Kids that are hung on movies or hung on reading where they read 24 hours a day to the exclusion of any real experience of their own. That's really tragic. But uh, nevertheless, uh, right from the very beginning, for whatever reasons uh, are, I read funny literature. In other words, I began to read at the age of about 10 P.G. Wodehouse. And it, it... forever influenced me. Now, Wodehouse just recently died and a great master of the, of the language and he couldn't write a dull line. In addition, he couldn't write a line that wasn't funny. It was He was incapable of it. So I really dug this. I also read very strongly uh, at all times. I read every last book by F. L. Frank Baum. Who was Frank Baum? Correct, the Oz stories. So the connection between Baum, of course, was great imagination and and fantasy and surrealism, and that coupled with P.G. Wodehouse, possibly were the two great influences on all my work and everything else I've ever done since. Now, if you started out at the age of nine reading uh, Dostoevsky, you will forever be a (laughs) Fetcher. You you know, the tragedy of mankind, and uh, so that's a whole different ballgame, and it doesn't put any value judgment on one or the other. Life is to be lived, right? So, uh, nevertheless, uh, I just wonder whether or not the Bond popularity of the early 60s had any parallel with a lot, in, in the, a lot of the activities of the various covert organizations of the time. For example, one of the most famous of the, of the, uh, CIA agents of that period thought of himself as a kind of James Bond and in fact wrote novels about the scene. Who was that? Correct. <laughs> <He> Howard Hunt. <laughs> So there's much more than just a casual cause and effect relationship there uh, <laughs> well you know uh education is is a is a is a, is a very slippery thing the the formal education that all of us have uh is is either good or bad or in between or mediocre or or indifferent or superb but that's only formal education the other education so, whole different ballgame uh a completely different uh, ball of wax i wonder how many guys chief true education in life came after a fairly extended period in the armed services i would say more than you'd guess because first of all you're in the army or in the navy or in the marines you're in those services at a very uh, malleable period in your life. You have just, usually, either just gotten out of high school or about to go into college. Right in that period. You're, you're what, 19, 20, 22, something like that. And you're ready for anything, you know? All your pores are open, uh, to, uh, to, to you know, to, to put it bluntly. And, uh, your pores are open, your knees are good, and you, you keep a low profile. And, uh, so I, I, I just wonder what the difference in adi- life attitude. Uh, this would be a great uh, PhD thesis. The difference in life attitude of people who spent any time in the armed forces versus those who didn't. Wouldn't that be an interesting study? uh study? So, <laughs> uh, it, it, it just forever changes you. Uh, and I, I like one of the great moments uh, in my life, for example, that changed me forever. I'll never forget it. Uh, I, I, it's one of those things that uh, that is a recurring theme in my life, is, uh, is the discovery that man is very, very small. Now, it, you don't discover this much living in a big city because the elements bear very little relationship to your daily life. I mean, it, it's hardly noticeable the difference in life between summer and winter in New York. The only difference is a slight change of clothing, that's about it. And the tenor of the griping changes just a little bit. But uh, ultimately, the change in life isn't very great. So we're insulated in the big cities, and we are, from, uh, from God's great bowling balls. That's <laughs> really <pretty> true. <laughs> we are insulated. <laughs> and the realization that we, it, it, under the great cosmos that stretches over, you know, this enormous thing called nature, we are no bigger than, uh, than gnats or flies. In fact, the other day, uh, the New York Times had a piece way in the back pages about the fact that there are many scientists today who are becoming convinced that we are entering another ice age. And one scientist says that this could happen with cataclysmic speed, like within... Two years they're reevaluating the old ice ages and they find now that they came with dramatic suddenness and the other day I'm talking to a friend of mine I said do you realize that this could all be academic all of a sudden I said can you imagine what would happen if in two years suddenly an ice sheet begins to slowly move down and the next thing you know Cleveland is under 200 feet of sheet ice <laughs> and glaciers are digging big holes in Tennessee and the guy says well we have to do something about it we have to. we have to work out something to do you know we'd have to do something about that there must be something they can do i says wait a minute (laughs) wait a minute (laughs) there must be something they can do well i suppose what he's thinking in terms of hell you know when it gets cold in my house i just go over and fiddle with the thermostat you know we must have some kind of a giant thermostat. After all. We're putting them things up in the air. Have Put one of the thermostat on it, you know. Set it uh, perfect, see. Well, there are things bigger than all of us, buddy. <laughs> I'll tell you. Like the time. I mean, I'm, I was about nine when it first came upon, let's say, my curving arc of the great inverted bowl of my own personal night that we were small. And it got through big bowling balls. Oh, big. No, I was about 10, roughly, when this happened. And uh, it was a lesson. Let's put it this way. A real lesson. I'm squatting in the front bedroom in the house, where at that time I was festering as a child. And I had this room, see, which had been assigned to me as, as a, my room. It was my room. It's a great feeling when you first get your room, right? My room. And I had my room, see, and I had the pictures on the walls and all kinds of stuff. And I had model airplanes hanging from the ceiling. And I had this desk, which I had bought at the Salvation Army for $2. Now that desk at any flea circus or flea uh, market would be worth $5 million, you know, something like that. It was an oak, solid oak. It took me, Schwartz, Flick, Bruner... Sammy Roper, Jack Morton, Jack Anderson, and 19 other kids just to carry the drawers into the house. And <laughs> we all went down and got... We were, did, did you ever go through a, a period when you were a kid of uh, of having an intense desire to own a desk? This is a basic kid urge. Now, I'm not so sure that this is a female kid urge. I'm not going to quote uh, that, but I can just simply say it is a male kid urge. And we went through this uh, whole big thing of owning a desk, and you had to have a desk. Uh, Also, do you remember when uh, when you went through the first surge as a kid of owning a wallet? (laughs) You know, you had stuff in your wallet. You know, and uh, so we went through this desk thing, which came one suddenly with dramatic suddenness one summer, and uh, and it was because Flick got a desk. Now, how he got a desk was that his uncle moved out. His uncle lived in the house there with him, say, and he moved out. And as he moved out, he left his desk behind. And Flick was given that room, and now Flick had a desk. And Flick would sit at his desk, and he would uh, write things. Uh, you know, he sit down and write things like dog, cat, uh, bird. Uh, after all, uh, you know, he's at his desk, and he had stuff in the drawers like uh, strings and... Uh, and a BB gun, uh, and tubes of BBs, and, you know, all kinds of stuff. It was his desk. Well, immediately, that, that that hit us, man. I mean, we had to have a desk, see. So among <laughs> among other places that we went, we found out that you could get old desks down in the basement of the Salvation Army. And they had all these great desks, you know, all kinds of old desks, you know, these old oak kinds those yellow oak. Before you go any further, hit the button. You guys are getting nervous. All right. <laughs> oh, no, Viney gets nervous. Not people, Barney. Come um, day, you I say, sing it out, gang. Be proud. Stand up and be counted. Sooner later, you'll own, General. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let's see. This week's Grand But. No, 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 no. no. That's, uh, some, that's another commercial. Let's see. This week, third Grand Commercial No, 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 no. That's a, no. Oh, here it is. Yes. For sixty years, General Tire has been one of the nation's leading tire manufacturers. But they mean more than tires. Good old general. Their one-stop car care centers are staffed by experts, mean-looking guys with good eyes who know how to take care of your car. Whether it's wheel alignment, wheel balance, lumen oil change, mufflers, shock absorbers, brakes, and batteries. You go out to see your general tire, headquarters, look in the yellow pages. Sooner or later, later you'll own generals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sooner or later, you'll own do Oh, Tell me, maker, Tommy, yeah. I'm sitting in the John Barleycorn, located at 209 East 42, just off 3rd Avenue. This <laughs> 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 Irish jump up and down like crazy, <laughs> You know, it's a pretty boring place, I guess. John Barleycorn is New York's first and most famous Irish singing. Club. <laughs> if you want a sample of what <laughs> Irish hospitality is really like, you should come in and soak up the atmosphere. Hey, you soak up a lot more there, The hospitality is warm, the people yeah. are cheerful, and the service is just fantastic. They have an old saying at the barley cart. There are no strangers here, only friends you haven't met. And you can prove that to yourself by dropping in any time. You can have lunch, lunch, dinner, or supper seven days a week. And hippity a good hoppity, time hippity all hippity, hoppity hippity hoo. The food is fit for royalty, and as a matter of fact, some of the recipes have been <laughs> handed down from the ports of Irish highest The John Barleycorn, The, Irish hippity away hippity the Midtown Manhattan. Hippity hoppity, hippity hoppity, hippity hoppity, Who will show it in your Jimmy bridge? Enough for There you go. All right. <laughs> Don't look nervous. It'll work out. The hell. A hundred years from now. Come together, right it's oh, of a grand union. Grand union. Well, let's see. We have a Grand Union special buy this week: USDA choice boneless beef bottom round or shoulder roast, one forty-eight a pound. Plus, Grand Union has an Italiano food festival. Progresso Italian tomatoes with basil. <laughs> you know, basil. Thirty-five ounce can, seventy-nine cents. All the good. The thing is. <laughs> The Grand Union, the Pearl of the Grand Union. Riggetti. All right. You know, I'm sitting at my desk. You know, we bought the desk down there for $2 at the, at the Salvation Army. And uh, that desk was so heavy, it was the kind of desk that they, uh, you know, obviously came out of some uh, small-town lawyer's office, something like that. must have weighed seven, eight, nine tons. Tremendous desk. We we, had a giant thing, and so I had it sitting there. I wonder what ever happened to that desk. I don't know. Have you ever wondered what happened to a lot of stuff you had in your life? You know? You know, it's funny. Things just sort of dribble out of your existence. Just like, uh, I can't remember ever throwing away a guitar, and yet I am without a guitar. And I know once at one point I had a guitar. (laughs) I don't know where it went. (laughs) Maybe life is... uh, See, there's a certain thing called the attrition of things, you know, just a slip out. You know, one day you're going to run into your own life at a a flea market. You'll be standing there, you know, and there is, you know, there is a picture of you in your graduation gown. And it'll be selling for two dollars. What the devil is? As a matter of fact, uh, you're looking at a guy who, uh, who has a picture, and if you want to uh, want to make a bid on it, it's, it's priceless, because obviously there's not many people uh, can say they got one. I have a picture, which I bought at a flea market. Now, don't ask me why I did it. It was an un- uncontrollable urge. I have a picture... a a complete big, big picture came in a in a a 19th like a late uh, 19th early 20th century frame with glass it's all beautiful of the class of 1920 of CCNY the entire class (laughs) I have a picture that has the entire 1920 class of CCNY now uh, I don't know anybody that went to CCNY certainly in 1920 that's a that's just after Richard the Lionheart had cashed in. I mean, uh, that was, uh, you know, the class of 1920 was F. Scott Fitzgeraldsville and all that, you know. And uh, here it is, all these, they're kind of oval pictures. All these, You know, these oval pictures, these guys with uh, white, uh, stiff-looking uh, collars and black ties. And they're all looking very, very sober. There isn't a smile on the entire lot. And they got giant heads of hair, and their collars go real big, high up. And they get these dark, scratchy looking suits. And uh, you can see that the picture goes down to each, to each guy, down about his third vest button. And all of them have got chains hanging on their vests, you know, and stuff like that. And underneath it, it says, The Class of 1920, in 1920 type script, hand done. And underneath it, it says, City College of New York. I couldn't resist that. <laughs> you know, so I have it. So anybody need the class of 1920 City College in New York? Been looking for years for it, right? Just, uh, just let me know. This is probably the only one extant that that is not owned by a, a class of 1920. And it was a small crowd. It was only about, gee, I'd say there's about uh, 40 or 50 guys in the picture. Amazing. All right, uh, but uh, I'm sitting at my. You want to hear what happened to me? All right. I'm sitting at my desk. See. Now I had just gotten my amateur license. Now, any kid that is involved in electronics at about the age of ten is obviously a kid that is involved in something very close to necromancy. It's uh, it's it's like the study of the eternal tablets of the dead, because the rest of the crowd, the neighborhood, everybody else is completely inexplicable to them. You know, normal kids uh, did stuff like uh, bounce rubber balls or uh, walked around and hollered, "Hey, right, it's Cut?" You know, that's what normal kids did. But me and Stanley Roper, night after night, we were reading Nilsen and Hornung, the Q&A. Now, I know grown men who are scared when they hear that, the Q&A. Yeah, that's right. You wouldn't believe it. Uh, uh, How precocious. (laughs) I mean, would you believe that at the age of 14, I had a second-class commercial? And would you believe by the age of 18, I had a first phone? So, you know, we're really something else, see? And and here I am, sitting at my desk, and I figure I got the world by the you-know-what. And on top of the house, I had put a 20-foot tower right up on top of our our two-story frame house, and I ran a a 66-foot, 40-meter flat-top Zep right back to the garage. And it was fed with open-wire feed, 600-ohm, you know, the open-wire feed. And I'm sitting there, see? I'm on top of it, man. And it was a beautiful summer day. And about every 20 minutes, whenever I would be in there doing what I did, my mother says, Why don't you go play with your radio? Play with your radio. I'm sitting in there talking to my playing with my radio. And it was a mysterious thing that was going Nobody knew what I was doing in there. And they'd come in and they'd look. My mother always had a great fear. She used to come in and say things like, You'll get a shock. Now be careful. You'll get a shock. My mother, as a matter of fact, one time did not mow the lawn for over two weeks because there was a six-inch piece of copper wire that was laying in our yard, just laying there. She figured you could get a shock from any wire. Just the wire could give you a shock, like a, like a snake. It was like a, like a hooded cobra. And she used to say, you're going to get a shock. And I'd say, nah, come on, ma, I know what I'm doing. And I'm in there working away, and it was a quiet June afternoon. And out in the Midwest, friends... Thunderstorms come up like, oh, they come up like balls of puff out of China cross the way. Boom, just like that. All of a sudden, a thunderstorm hits and I'm sitting there talking to a guy in Denver. And and my mother keeps saying, now, be careful, you're going to get a shock. And she's out in the kitchen. And I'm working this guy in Denver, when suddenly, without any warning, crock! Boom! 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 My antenna was struck by a bolt of lightning. It came right down the 600-ohm feed, blew my rig into ionization. It was just a purple cloud. Knocked me under the day bed. Pushed the side of the house out. My mother came running in from the kitchen, she's like, oh, do you get a shock? At that point, my life changed, and it has never gone back. There are big things out there that man will never understand. (laughs) This is WOR New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation.